Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Good morning to you. There are certain weeks that I just feel the longing to be together and um, get to this outpost of heaven moment where we gather as, with our common love for our Lord and just lift up His name. And this was one of those weeks. Just so good to, to worship our Lord together, isn't it? He is worthy. I was reminded again and again, today's message will take us into this, but having Him, we have all things in one, don't we? And He is the treasure. And we have His Word and His presence and but having uh, together, we are his body, and, and just to get together and encourage one another is so good. So thanks for being here. But uh, if you would, join me in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and we'll begin reading in verse 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11 says, These things happened to them, speaking of the Old Testament saints, characters, happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings. For us, on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So you you feel the urgency. We're in a unique day today. So, So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. Check your footing. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. So this is something that... As we look back, we see their temptations are our temptations, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. There's hope in this, but when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And so here God is saying, okay, warning, if you think you are standing firm, you're like, all right, I feel good, I feel strong right now, watch out, be careful that you do not fall. It's then that you're vulnerable. So, okay, then what, what do we do? And he says, look back. Watch how the saints lived. Watch their lives and watch what those moments that they slip, slip, drop. Learn from those moments. Learn um, what's going on in that moment. Ask what led to their fall. Learn and then apply that to your own life so that you may be faithful and stand in your walk of faith. And so one of the gifts, as you think about Scripture, and we look to the Old Testament one of the beautiful gifts of the Old Testament is it's God's preservation of, of people who are following Him. We learn from their successes, but we also learn from their failures. And so as we begin this series, How the Mighty Fall, that is going to be our, our, uh, our goal. We're going to chase the question. We're going to watch four kings. Each week we're going to take a king, and then we're going to say, okay, we're going to watch them slip, slip, fall. What happened in their life? And then learn from that, apply that to our own lives. So I was thinking about the slip, slip, fall. Immediately, my mind ran to a moment in college when our dorm, or I was on the second level, I, our dorm window overlooked a sidewalk that was high traffic. It led to the chapel, and so I'd be up there studying, and, uh, and there was a section of the sidewalk that it dropped a little bit, allowing for a, a, a minor puddle to form. And it was one of those puddles that it was uh, shallow enough that it would quickly freeze on a, you know, a, a brisk uh, spring day or late fall day, everything else was normal. So it was unsuspecting to people 
students flying along. And I still remember scenes where it's like, "Uh uh-oh, this student's just coming right at this puddle, and it's going to be bad. And sure enough, foot hits it, slip, slip, drop. And I'm thinking, man, watching that as a 50-year-old now, I'm like, why didn't I do something? Why didn't I go call the campus you know, facility team like, hey, guys, fix this thing? Or why didn't I just go to Walmart or Amazon, or Amazon couldn't do that, but Walmart, buy my own cone and just plant a cone out there every time I knew it was going to get slippery. And, and I, even as I say that, I feel myself becoming the, the dad in the progressive commercial. The, uh, <laughs> but, but, but why didn't I warn them? And, you know, I, I think about God's grace to us. And uh, that he has warned us through his word. And so that's, um, we're going to go and just unpack. Today it's going to be the first king of Israel. Israel was not always a, a, uh, a monarchy. It was originally a theocracy, which means God was the king. And he administered his rule through a priest and a judge. And this was God's intent. And yet, um, as time happens, uh, we see the... Uh, the people want a king, and we'll go ahead and and uh, pick it up. If you would join me in First Samuel chapter eight. As as you're going there, I do need to just say one of the places I got the idea. We we got the idea for this sermon series. I need to just tell you it was Jim Collins in his book How the Mighty Fall, classic leadership book. If you're in business, you, you probably already read this, but basically he w- he went and looked at the Fortune 500 companies that were mighty in their day, untouchable, unstoppable, and yet they declined and fell. And he said, is there a predictable pattern to their decline? And so I heard him speaking at a conference, and what stuck in my mind, he found it. There are five stages to how the mighty fall in in the business world. And guess what the first stage is? It's hubris or pride born of success. Pride. And I thought, isn't that interesting? That's exactly what our God said thousands of years earlier. Proverbs chapter 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. It's a truism. And as we look at these kings, we're going to see pride play out in their lives. But it does leave us asking the question, in what, okay, we all know that, but in what form does this play out? And, and how can we spot it and, and address it in our own lives? And so we will uh, we'll begin reading there and in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. This is to give us some context on what's going on. The, the leaders of Israel come to Samuel and they say, you are old and your sons... Samuel was the high priest of the day. Great high priest, faithful. They, say, he, they said, you are old and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he gave them a piece of his mind. Or he gave him the silent treatment. Or he quit. <laughs> he said, fine, no, I love this response. When people disappoint us, what, what do we do? So he prayed to the Lord. I've been a faithful priest. These guys want a king. That hurt. So he, he says, Lord, talks to him about it. And the Lord has a response for him in verse 7. The Lord told him, listen to all the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me their king. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know that the king who will reign over them, um, 
what the king who will reign over them will claim as his right. So Samuel goes on to do that. He's like, hey guys, if you want a king, he's going to tax you on all your, the stuff you make, your grains, etc. He's going to take your sons and put them in the military. He's going to take your daughters and make them his wives, and he's going to do all these things. Do you still want a king? And they all say, yeah, we, we want a king. So that brings us to, to the first king and his story. So if you would, First uh, Samuel chapter 9 is where it picks up. It says now that, we'll, we'll start in verse 3. Now the donkeys belonging to Saul's father, Kish. Saul will be the king. His dad's name is Kish. They were lost. And Kish said to his son, Saul, take one of the servants with you and go look for the donkeys. So the rest of this chapter, we see Saul and, and his servant wandering around in the wilderness looking for donkeys. They go from region to region to region to region. Finally, way into the search, they realize, we better go back home or dad's going to be worried. The servant's like, hey, wait a minute. We're actually in the town where the prophet Samuel lives. What if we ask him? And it's a funny moment. They're like, well, what do we give him? We, we don't have... So they scrounge some, together some, a, a little something and like, all right, let's go find him. They're on their way. They meet some ladies coming to the well. And they're like, hey, does Samuel live up there? Yep. And so they're going to Samuel to ask him, have you seen our donkeys? Or, or where might our donkeys be? That's the, the, big, the big thing. When Watch what happens. Verse 17. When Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, this is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. Saul approached Samuel in the gateway and asked, would you please tell, tell me where the seer's house is? So this random meeting with Samuel. Samuel says, I am the seer. Go up ahead of me to the high place, for today you, will, you are to eat with me, and in the morning I will send you on your way and will tell you all that is in your heart. As for the donkeys that you lost three days ago, do not worry about them. They have been found. And to whom is all the desire of Israel turned if it is not to you and your whole family line? In essence, the nation is looking to you as their hope. So what Saul, he says, I... Who am I? I I'm, but I, am I not a Benjamite from the smallest tribe of Israel? And is not my clan the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you say such a thing to me? And then Samuel brought Saul and his servant into the hall and seated them at the head of those who were invited, about 30 in number. So we look at this first scene in Saul's life. It can be entitled, Chosen by the Grace of God. Can you imagine what's going on in Saul's mind, the, the whiplash in his thinking as he ex experiences this? It's an ordinary day, and the driving question on his mind is this, have you seen my donkeys? Have you seen my donkeys? He's looking for donkeys. And, and he randomly meets with this prophet, with this question driving him, it's, purely to find his dad's donkey, only to, to hear this prophet say, your donkeys are good, they've been found, but God is up to something bigger. He's chosen you to be king. <laughs> we don't have a king. Right, you're the first one. Me? You know? And, and you hear, I, I, I think there's a... a humility sighting as, as we hear him say but I'm from the smallest of tribes in Israel Benjamin I'm from the smallest clan in that tribe me you 
the parallel to our faith journey is the same, isn't it? Or, or it's easy to, to see. We, in our sin, were lost. We, in our sin, were dead. Enemies of God, actually, wandering far from Him, not seeking Him, when He sought us. And in His grace, opened our eyes to who He is, who Christ is, and what Christ did for us on the cross. And the moment that we place our faith and trust in Him, we um, receive the forgiveness of sin, but also a place at His table. I, I picture Saul here. He, he, he's sitting at the table with 30 honored guests. And where does he sit at the table? He's at the head of the table. And he had to be thinking, what am I doing here? I was just looking for donkeys. And here I am sitting at the table with the prophet of the day and these honored guests with the future that I didn't see coming. And, and it's a picture of just grace, isn't it? I think today, the grace of God in each one of our lives, those of us who have trusted Christ as our Savior, and if you haven't, His invitation is open to you today, but to know that, man, when we came to faith in Christ, Ephesians chapter 1, we have been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing, chosen by God, uh, redeemed, forgiven of our sin, but adopted by Him, meaning we have all the rights of a son, a daughter in His kingdom, and He has called us to, to be a part of what He is doing here on earth. And, and so, as we see Saul, um, his story, we, we see our own story as well, chosen by God, 100% grace. Okay, so what happens next in Saul's life? They have a Samuel, they have dinner, and then Samuel comes says, hey, let's go to the rooftop, and they have a rooftop conversation. I'm sure just all kinds of, hey, explaining that, that went on there. Go to bed, wake up next morning, another rooftop conversation. And then Saul or uh, Samuel says, tell your servant, go ahead. I have a message from God for you. And so we pick it up in chapter 10. It says, Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil, poured it on Saul's head, and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you ruler over Israel? And then he gives him some real practical signs that are going to happen that day to confirm his calling as king. Sign, 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 sign. But the big one is this in verse 6. The Spirit of the Lord will come on you powerfully, and you will prophesy with them, the other prophets, and and you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled... Do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. Little side note, I love this picture of in high school students as you guys, I know, get ready to graduate, and often all of, all of us are probably still feeling that, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the picture of just walk closely with God, follow the lead of His Spirit, and then do whatever His hand, your, your hand finds to do, for God is with you. It, action, do something. Just get busy. God will lead you, guide you. So uh, verse 9, as Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart. And all these signs were fulfilled that day. Scene 2, empowered by the Spirit of God. What a comfort and encouragement for Saul as he's wondering, okay, how am I going to be king? To hear Samuel say, you will be empowered by the Spirit. We know in that dispensation, The Spirit of God was given for specific tasks. In our dispensation, under the new covenant, when we receive the Holy Spirit, it's a permanent indwelling to do the good work that God created us to do by His power. It's not in our own strength. And what a comfort for us today as well. As you think about what God's called you to do, 
look out on the, the horizon of your life um, to know that, that He will empower you. And, and again, it's grace, isn't it? When we do the good that God calls us to do, do we get credit for that or is it of us? No, it's all of Him, His grace. As Saul reflects on this, and as we reflect on this, it leads to a humble confidence, doesn't it? There's a humility when we realize, I'm not up to the task, but God has empowered me for this, and so I need to rely on Him day by day, step by step. I think we see humility sightings in Saul's heart in what happens in the rest of chapter 10. I'll summarize it. He bumps into an uncle when he gets back. And the uncle said, you talk to Samuel, what'd he tell you? And do you know he says nothing about uh, the king piece? He only says, Samuel told us where the donkeys were. It's good. I don't know if he's trying to hide the fact that he's the king piece because he's afraid. That could be, but... And then the other one was when Samuel gets back, he calls the nation together. They draw lots to show everyone who God has chosen as king. And when they draw Saul, guess where Saul is? They can't find him. They're like, hey, where's he at? And the Lord says he's hiding in the supplies. He's hiding in the luggage or whatever. Some scholars may feel like, hey, he's freaked out and (laughs) wishing he wasn't king. That could be, but but I think it may be a humility moment. He's not grabbing for power, grabbing for for position. He's actually like, I I just want to, yeah, stay back and, and... they find him and, and affirm him as king. Okay, so empo- uh, chosen by the grace of God, empowered by the Spirit of God. What happens next? This is the, the becoming of a king, his first move as a king. In chapter 10, verse 26, we see, uh, we see him going home. It says, Saul went home to Gibeah accompanied by valiant men whose hearts God had touched. Interesting. Who, uh, the people that God put around him to help him lead. But some scoundrels said, how can this fellow save us? And they despised him and, and brought him no gifts. Quick leadership moment. If, if God calls you to leadership, he will put some people around you that he's touched their hearts to, to help you. But there's always the other crew, right? Who are going to doubt you, who are going to resist you. What do you do with those people? The doubters, the resistors, the people who oppose you. What do you do with them? Notice what Saul does. He kept silent. Say, why? What's going on? Again, we, we're not for, we don't know for sure, but I think he's humility saying, God put me in this position. He's going to take care of the, those scoundrels around me. I don't need to worry about them. So the uh, quick context, what happens next in chapter 11 some people, uh, the Ammonites, enemies of Israel, come to this town in Israel called Jabesh-Gilead, and they say, we're going to take you guys over, but we're not just going to destroy you. We're going to poke out the right eye of every man and humiliate you. And the word of this spreads. It gets to Saul, verse nine, uh, chapter 11, verse 5. Just then Saul was returning from the fields behind his oxen, and he asked, what's wrong with everyone? Why are they weeping? They repeated to him what the men of Jabesh had said. And when Saul heard their words, again, the Spirit of God came powerfully upon him. And he burned with anger, righteous anger. He took a pair of oxen, he cut them into pieces, and sent the pieces by messengers throughout Israel, proclaiming, this is what will be done 
to the oxen of anyone who does not follow Saul and Samuel. Interesting, I think another humility sighting. It's not like, this is what will happen if you don't follow me as king. It's like, no, Saul, Samuel. Then the terror of the Lord fell on, all, fell on the people and they came out together as one. When Saul mustered them at Bezak, the men of Israel numbered 300,000 and those of Judah, 30,000. And they told the messengers who had come, say to the men at Jabesh Gilead, by the time the sun is hot tomorrow, you will be rescued. Love this picture. It's the zeal of a righteous king, right? And I, I keep thinking of Isaiah 9 that says, um, speaking of our Lord, where he will accomplish, the zeal of the Almighty will accomplish everything that, that God has promised for his people. But in this moment, they're like, we're coming to help you. So, sure enough, everybody shows up, they go, they set them free. It's, it's a victory, it's a celebration. They celebrate, but as they're celebrating, the group of valiant people around Saul said, hey, those scoundrels who, who weren't following you, let's kill them. And notice what Saul says, and I think we see another humility sighting in verse 13. But Saul said, no one will be put to death today. For this day, the Lord has rescued me. And so the scene here is mighty in battle, the the picture. Here we see the making of a king or, or the becoming of a king. Saul unites the nation around a noble cause. He, he calls them to sacrifice for the good of those who are vulnerable. And he, uh, he unites them. He forms a battle plan, leads them into battle, celebrates the victory together. But I think the big piece in this mighty in battle is when he has the opportunity to take out his, those who would oppose him, he responds with a, a humility or a mercy born of humility. We see a heart of a someone who is is marked by humility. Okay, so these first three scenes, what God has given us here is the making of this first king of Israel and how he's called, chosen, empowered. We see him now mighty in battle. Everything's going up and to the right. Success, success, success. Think about your own life now. Chosen by God. Um, granted, not king, but to be his child. Empowered to do good works. Ephesians 2.10, which God created in, in eternity past for you to do. You're being transformed by his spirit to be like Christ, to do these, these good works. Called to, to do this. And then think about the moments you have been mighty in battle. Or times when God has been faithful to you, when you stepped out in faith to do what he's, he's called you to do and how he's provided for you. As you look back over your life, how many times has, has he provided, helped you um, do the good that, that he's called you to do, help you win the fight, that battle, that temptation, or, or whatever that may be? Up and to the right. But now comes the test. This is the test, and I believe it's a test that, that we all face at some point in our faith journey. The test that, uh, that's ferocious. Coming at, at us, Saul, we see it in chapter 13. God gives us a, uh, a summary of his, his reign there in verse 1. He says, Saul was 30 years old when he became king, and he reigned over Israel 42 years. So 30 to 72, pretty 
neat picture of God's grace um, over him. And, but here comes the test. Verse 5, the Philistines assembled to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They went up and they camped at Michmash, east of Beth Haven, and when the Israelites saw their situation was critical and that the army was hard-pressed, they hid in caves and thickets and among rocks and in pits and cisterns. Some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan into the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul remained at Gilgal, and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. So the Philistines, their opponent, they're, they're, um, they're gathering in a place you can see, and they are outnumber in a radical way Saul and Israel. And so fear is just, they're all shaking with fear. It says, he waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and Saul's men began to scatter. So you can feel the urgency in Saul's heart. He's losing his army. Where's Samuel? He said he'd be here in seven days to, to offer, give the offerings, and these you would give before you went into battle. So he said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offerings just as he had finished making the offering. Samuel arrived and, went out to, and Saul went out to greet him. So it's still day seven, but at some point in day seven, late in day seven, Samuel arrives, but Saul has already offered the sacrifices. So Samuel asks him, what have you done? Saul replied, when I saw the men scattering and you did not come at the set time and the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the Lord's favor, so I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. He's not repenting. He's rationalizing, and he's even almost making it sound spiritual, like I wanted to just do the right thing before God, so I took matters into my own hands, offered the burnt offering. You have done a foolish thing, said Samuel. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you, have, if you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time, but now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. And so what just happened here, God gave uh, Saul a very clear command through Samuel and it was to wait for him seven days until Samuel came and then offer the sacrifice. So a clear command of God Pressures are mounting, though, all around. Fear gets in his heart. And pride slips in, and he begins to think, it's on me, and in this case, I think it's best that I go ahead, take matters into my own hands, wise in his own eyes, and I will offer the sacrifice. He ignores the command of God. Not only does he ignore the command of God, but he assumes the role of a priest and uh, steps over a, a very clear, clear role that God had called them not to step over. And what we see here, this hairline fracture in his character becomes a compound fracture that will wreck his life in the days to come. It's heart. And God sees this. It's here his faith is being tested. Will he trust God? When, the fa when he's facing overwhelming opposition and obey his command. 
Will he wait on the Lord in his moment of need? Or will he be wise in his own eyes, ignore the command of God, and, uh, and do his own thing? So for us, what's the warning to take from Saul's life? And think about um, that picture of slip, slip, fall. Where, where should we plant the orange pylon for our own lives and, and for those around us as we see him live? What, what's the warning coming out of this? And here's the warning. When tempted to ignore the command of God, to hold on to a gift from God, watch out. When tempted to ignore the command of God, to hold on to a gift from God, watch out in those moments. When God gives you influence or position, when He provides you with possessions, resources, when He gives you pleasure, it's all from Him. It's all gifts from Him, right? It's gifts of His grace. And in those moments that those things are threatened, whether it's your job, your position, your influence, your, your title, your possessions, your stuff, whether it's your even relationships that, that you treasure or pleasures that you enjoy, and you're tempted to ignore a clear command of God in His Word to hold on to a gift from God, watch out. Watch out. It is a ferocious temptation, isn't it? And I, I'm sure many of you can think of times when you've been there. I, I know, I feel this almost weekly. So tempting to, to hold on to these things by our own power. We're tempted to lie, to cheat, to steal, to violate the law of love, to think in this case, I don't need to love this person. I need to mm, take them out or be mean or I can be whatever. The uh, We're tempted to... Uh, shade the the call to holiness in the realm of morality you know if if my wife or my husband were doing this then I would but but in this case I can you know get my pleasure this way or that way we ignore a clear command of God to hold on to a gift from God only to wreck our lives that fracture, hairline fracture in our character will lead to a wrecked life every time. God says in Galatians 6, 9, do not be mocked, or God is not mocked. We reap what we sow. If we sow to please the sinful nature, from that nature we will reap destruction. But if we, if we um, please, live to please the Spirit or sow to the Spirit, we will reap life. Watch out in those moments. So the question becomes, how do we get through that temptation? Like, what's the way through? We see it, but what's the way through? And quickly, the, the three, four words that, that just come to mind, and it's actually David who gives us these words, are come out of Psalm 27, verse 14. But he just says this, Be strong in the Lord, or wait for the Lord, be strong, take heart, wait for the Lord. Two times, wait for the Lord, wait for the Lord, wait for the Lord. In those moments when we are, uh, we're tempted to, uh, we're, we're going to lose what we value. We're, we're thinking, man, I'm going to lose what I treasure, what I value, the gift of God. Wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Say, so what does it mean to wait for the Lord? This is that combination of trust and obedience. It's trusting Him that He's got me, but it's also a commitment to obedience, that I'm going to do what's right. I'm not going to do my own thing or be wise in my own eyes. I'm going to follow His will as revealed in His Word. So how do we do that? How, how do we wait for the Lord? And, and it, I think about Saul. What if he had, in that moment, just stopped as his armies 
leaving him as, as the Philistine army is coming at him, and it's day seven, and he's waiting for Samuel, and he's tempted to, to ignore the command of God. What if he had stopped and just thought about his life? And just remember that day he was looking for donkeys. <laughs> Why am I even king here? God put me here. He chose me by his grace. And remember the moment that he has those rooftop conversations with Samuel. And then when he says, God's going to give you his spirit to help you lead. You've got what you need. And he remembers, man, I have been empowered by God. And then remembered back to the first battles when he was mighty in battle. Just walking by faith. And it wasn't about him winning this fight. It was God winning this fight. What if he had gone back? And I think about your life and my life. And may God give us the grace in those moments to just pause. Wait for the Lord, but pause and remember, I've been chosen by God's grace, empowered by his spirit. He's going to see me through this. He's going to provide. I don't need to take matters into my own hands. Trust him. Obey him. Wait on the Lord. So bringing it all together, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. God gave us the, the, the life stories of these people in the Old Testament, of Saul, to help us um, stand strong in our faith and not fall. And so what's the warning that comes out of Saul's life when you're tempted to ignore God's clear command to hold on to a gift from God? Wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Trust Him and obey. With each king that we look at, I think it's going to create a hunger in our hearts for the King of Kings. I know it does for me. And we, as we watch our Lord live, he, he is the perfect King. He is the one who is faithful to the finish. He, you read the life of Christ and what was his passion? It just beat in his soul. It was to be obedient to the Father. It's like, I I'm, love it to the very end. It's just like, I want to do the Father's will, do the Father's will, do the Father's will. All the stuff that we chase here on this world, he wasn't chasing. He was chasing one thing. That was to please his father. And then he says to us, come follow me. He says, if you love me, you'll do what I call, what I command. How do we love God? We obey his commands. Are his commands burdensome? John tells us, no, they're for our good. But what's the evidence of, of a, a a faith that is real. It's a desire and a passion to follow the command of God. And what's the, the great command of God? What's the, the number one command? Love me with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love the people around you. This is the calling that God's given us. And so today, as we, uh, I hope this warning just encourages you. I hope it puts a pylon at this uh, sidewalk where, where we can slip, slip, fall. But I also hope that it, it creates a, just a deep longing to follow our Lord, the King of Kings, with, with a, uh, an obedience, to wait on the Lord. So if you would, um, just go ahead and uh, we'll, go, we'll uh, go to the Lord in prayer now, and I'll just lead us through response. But just take a moment and thank God for choosing you by His grace. And maybe even remember that moment, trusted Christ as your Savior. And then uh, if you would take a moment to 
Just thank him for his empowering grace and giving you his Holy Spirit. And thank him for the victories, the the mighty battles that that you've been a part of, that he's you've seen him work in your life, the lives of, around you, his faithfulness to you. Now, Father, we pray that you would just through your word continue to stoke in us a passion to be obedient and faithful out of love for you and all that you've done for us. Jesus, we fix our eyes on you and we see your passion as you carried out the calling the Father gave you to take our sin to the cross, die in our place, to live a life of sacrificial love. And we want that. We we want to follow you that direction. Lord, I pray that the things of the world that we, the gifts that you give us, the, uh, the possessions and the positions and the pleasures of this world that in their proper place are our gifts i pray that that they would not become what we want most but that your will would be what we want most so set our hearts free from idolatry from valuing these things above you and and give us just this single-minded passion to follow you with all our heart we love you thank you for your word to us today and this warning Keep us close to you. We pray in in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.